Welcome to the Social Currency Podcast with digital marketing experts Jess Jensen and Tuck Ross. With a combined three decades of experience, they'll share thoughts on marketing, digital strategy, and social media to get you current quick. Looking to understand Google Analytics or how to optimize CPC? You're in the wrong place. This podcast drives discussion on digital and social strategy and their fundamental role in building your business strategy. In 30 minutes a week, we'll arm you with key talking points to speak with authority and confidence. Now, let's build your social currency. Hey, Tuck. Hey, Jess. How are you doing? I am good. Good. Good to hear your voice again. So here we are, episode 101. And uh, we want to chat about Facebook versus Instagram. What's the difference? Are they the same thing? Do they, do they matter uh, separately or are they uh, too close together? So that's what we want to catch up with you guys on today. Yep, that sounds great. And I, I know that, that uh, you know, one statistic that's worth sharing that a lot of folks actually don't know, almost 60% uh, out there don't, is that Facebook owns Instagram. And uh, right? What? Right? That's and crazy. Bought them back in that's 2012. Crazy. So it's been <laughs> six years. Uh, so they're, that's a powerhouse, right? They also have WhatsApp as just a, a, an, another platform. So that, that's the, the three of them are um, a powerhouse, almost 3 billion users. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's like <laughs> half the world, right? If you look at it that way. <laughs> yeah, so Facebook owns Instagram for everyone who doesn't know. And, uh, and that's a big deal because that means that, you know, in terms of the technology, you're getting the same technology with Instagram as you are with Facebook. And what we've seen is that there actually is some differences in terms of what ad products you can run. But in most cases, they're starting to mirror um, either products across the platform in terms of engagement products for you know all of us to use, whether it's newsfeed or otherwise, as well as the ad products, including the ad platform, the targeting abilities, and the different parts of the data that you're able to see. Yep. Yeah. So so definitely a lot of uh, similarity on the back end and the advertising side. Uh, what, what do you think are a couple of the key differences between Facebook and Instagram? Why, why would we put uh, some kind of content on one and not the other platform? That's a great question, Jess. And I think I go back to why did I start using Instagram more so? And it was really around the visual nature of the platform and being mobile first. And I think that's, it really hit at this time when mobile was starting to take off much more specifically. And people just loved it because it was simple. It was post a photo, post a caption, the end. And Facebook, as it's grown, has become this um, much larger behemoth than it had news for a while. It has TV and media and link sharing and photos and video and all these different items that make it... um, even on the mobile experience, sometimes confusing for people. Um, whereas Instagram is a mobile first streamlined content experience that puts the visual, uh, in in this format that's very immersive. Yep. Yeah. I, I love the simplicity of Instagram. It's, um, again, agree with you, visual, visual, visual. Um, again, everything's vertical. It's built for a smartphone. So the navigation is much simpler. Um, there's fewer actions or as we've used the word engagements uh, in the past that you can take. You can like something, you can comment on it. And, um, and, and that's about it until you get into, you know, an, an echelon of an influencer category. So it's pretty simple. Yeah. You know, what's fun is that Kevin Sistrom, the first photo that was posted on Instagram way back in 2010 was actually tacos, right? 
And you talk about like food leading the way where food's really taken off and food art and food photos. It, it, you know, the first thing posted was tacos. It was very casual. And I think that's, that's led to the nature of the platform being um, as it is, right? And obviously it's grown up to your point. And there's a little more pretentiousness now with influencers and different, you know, kind of pressure to have the right photo. Um, but it's a, still a much easier platform to use overall than Facebook, which is not to say that Facebook doesn't have its advantages. It's just a different type of post and type of media that you're looking for there. Yeah. And, and just to add to, to the, the comment about, about food culture, uh, one of the things that Instagram has done is, is, is become part of our zeitgeist. So, you know, a couple of examples, the notion of, you know, no filter, the, the term, no filter, hashtag, no filter. That's something that, you know, virtually everyone recognizes now and understand what that's referring to. And guess what? That came from Instagram because that was one of the first platforms where we saw the ability to filter photography and really make everyday people feel like they were artists. Um, so that's to me just fascinating. Another example of that is these museums, right? So there's this ice cream museum in New York and um, some examples in LA as well, where there are entire museums being built with Instagram in mind. The backdrops are built to be shot and shared on Instagram. Yeah, it's a good call. You know, I think about like, you know, who is on this platform and, um, and I'm curious who you're seeing here because, you know, I think to that point, it's really around experiences and being able to share experiences, which are visual and immersive and, and really helping pe people describe themselves with visuals, um, which really tends to be more of a millennial thing moving down to Gen Z. Um, but what kind of stats are we seeing on the platform? Who are you seeing on Instagram versus Facebook? So, we know Facebook has over 2 billion users, uh, gigantic, um, wow. certainly the, 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 wow. the king. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but Instagram has over 800 million active users, which is pretty insane, right? It's nudging a billion itself. Um, and it's doubled its size in the last two years. So it's on, it's on a tear right now. Um, it also, it also is hugely international. And um, this is something that, I, I, mm. frankly, I just didn't recognize. And probably it's just because, you know, you, you know who you know and your circle is who your circle is. But um, the percentage of people that are outside of the U.S. on Instagram is 75%. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. So I think it's a good opportunity, you know, whether you're looking at Facebook or Instagram, it's good to know that, you know, whether an international business or a business that's based in the U S or even localized, there's a ton of opportunity because of the size of the platform and the fact that they can talk to each other in the interchange, especially on the ad platform side. So, um, overall, either one's going to be a good choice just because there's a ton of people. Um, but I think to your, to your earlier point around the experiences that we're talking about, you know, I think uh, one of the things that came from Brandwatch that they shared is that 60% um, of users are aged between 18 and 24, which is just indicative of, again, the nature of the platform, but Instagram overall is a younger platform. It just hasn't been um, as mature or as adopted as Facebook has in that broader sense. Yep, that's right. And, and in fact, to add to that, 90% um, of Instagram users are under the age of 35, which again, kind of blows me away. Because um, I feel like all my friends are there. And, and um, I, I don't necessarily fall in that target audience. But you know, I, I think that's, um, that is important to recognize again, as a brand or as an executive, if you want to build your own personal um, profile and, and brand, to just know the audience is a bit younger there. 
and um, and again, very international um, and very visual focused. So those are all things that you can also get on Facebook, but I think Instagram is almost a, a slice of that pie. Yeah, good call. All right, so we're talking about, you know, why are brands here, right? Why are brands on social in general? And it's really about the the fact that social has people's attention. That's where people are focused. And so if they're spending so much time on Facebook, on Instagram, um, what kind of KPIs are we typically looking at for these platforms? Is it still the engagement level? Like, what do you look at when you, when you look at um, distributing content or information on Facebook or Instagram? Yeah. So Facebook still, this is where I think Facebook kind of trumps. So I think Facebook still has so much functionality and it's so robust. Again, Instagram is uh, like I was saying earlier, kind of a slice of the pie or a little simpler view. Um, So when we've used Instagram and and Facebook at brands that I've worked at, Facebook, um, you almost can uh, optimize based on virtually any objective the business has. So whether it's an engagement objective, which might be um, commenting, liking, sharing, or it's a, um, a uh, click over to a website, um, so like a CTR objective, um, that's, we've seen very good success on Facebook um, from a, a click through to a website or click through to a blog to find out more, which on Instagram you can't do, right? You can't link out, link out on Instagram outside of your bio. Um, unless you are an influencer with over 10,000 followers. So there's, there's, there's limitations on Instagram that I think you don't have on Facebook when you think about the paid media side of it. Yeah, I think this cool stat that you shared with me around that point around engagement, um, especially looking between the platforms, is that Instagram's engagement is 10 times higher than Facebook, which is just huge, right? And so if you're really thinking about, um, you know, even what we were talking about last time around organic reach and where are we still finding organic reach? I think really maybe the only spot that at least I'm seeing it is on Instagram um, at this point. And, and if, and yet if you put the two of them together, Instagram and Facebook, I mean, it's Instagram still 54 times higher than Pinterest, 84 times higher than Twitter. And so these two together, when you companion them um, or take them apart, they're still the largest engagement platforms out there uh, internationally, right? So that's why brands need to be there is because that's where the attention is. That's where people are spending their time. Yep. And, and just to, to reiterate you know, why we care about engagement, um, certainly it's a almost an instantaneous um, uh, response to content and the um, virality, the popularity, the... Um, uh, the ability for that content to actually um, feel compelling and, and, you know, right for that audience. So it's all those good things when you're building the content as a practitioner. But at a macro level, we care about engagement because engagement um, is a trigger or a signal to the platforms that this thing is popular. And so the more people that are connected to that brand or connected to that person that are engaging with it, the more it inherently is spread and raised up in the algorithm or sort of the secret sauce. So that that's a reason uh, behind the, the focus on engagement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So quick question. Uh, who do you think is the most followed brand on Instagram? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> National Geographic, Dang. Nat Geo. You know what's fun about that is 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 you and I were talking about this before. I think it's it's interesting to think about like why National Geographic, right? And um, it's kind of this thing like you know 
National Geographic has been in this space for so long. Um, I remember these magazines growing up as a kid. My mom had them, a huge stack of the yellow edge, right? And I'd always spend a lot of time just going through and look at the pictures and it was immersive. And if you think back to, um, to that, those types of engagements and think about why Nat Geo is so successful is it's all beautiful images. And that's what people are looking at and, and getting engaged with. And they love it, right? Especially look at the, the international audience, um, as well as the, the domestic audience. Um, National Geographic's beautiful nature. Like who doesn't love looking at that stuff, which is why, you know, travel photos and influencers travel also big because they have the ability to show off these beautiful spaces, which what Instagram is really built for is beautiful photos in an immersive environment. So I think that's, that's pretty cool. Right. And it goes to show that a business that traditionally based hugely in print subscriptions can actually transition very well. Um, and when they do it thoughtfully in the right platform. Yep. Yeah. I love that. And, and I also love that it perhaps is not what you would expect. Um, again, it's, you know, started out as really a food fashion, uh, kind of, kind of visual first culture, uh, first platform. And so Nat Geo captures that love of photography and, and beautiful scenery, um, but totally is transcending kind of a, you know, a, a traditional older brand into the, the digital, the digital space. Yeah. Who, 80, who, 87 million followers, right? Like that's crazy. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And so I know, and from an individual perspective, um, I know we've, we've talked about, uh, influencers just a little bit mm. and clearly Instagram is a space that influencers like to play. Uh, talk about who, who the, who the biggest uh, individual is and why, why you think she is. Uh, it's actually Selena Gomez and she has 136 uh, million followers. Um, and I think, you know, the thing that's interesting about Selena Gomez is that she's had such a strong personal story. And I mean, a lot of celebrities have, um, but she's been very public about uh, some of her struggles and some of the things she's gone through and her relationships. And um, if you follow any of that, you know, I think it's very inspiring for especially young women. Um, and that's probably one of the reasons why, um, she has such a large following, at least in my opinion. And you think about why we care about influencers. Um, and again, it goes back to someone being very authentic, growing a very natural audience based on the affinity to that person. And that's why using influencers as part of your campaign or part of your programs is so important is because they have a natural connection to their audience, which is why people there, which goes back to why there's still organic reach opportunity, especially in Instagram, because it is a very natural environment for people to just be themselves. Yep. And so what are your thoughts on uh, the sort of speaking about the natural self and kind of being a little more vulnerable or real on Instagram? What are your thoughts on how stories, Instagram stories play into that? And let's just talk about what a story even is. Yeah, sure. So I think um, that's a good touch on uh, especially the types of content that you can post on Instagram and Facebook now too. Um, traditionally, it was the, you know, you post a photo, you post a video, and it's this type of content that goes up there. Um, what Snapchat actually introduced was the concept of stories, which is the first time vertical video really entered the space. And people were able to do this temporary vertical video of them being a little silly, being themselves, being authentic, whatever it was, um, but it went away. And the reason why they could be authentic is because it wasn't permanent. It wasn't going up on their feed. It didn't have to be beautiful. It could be them laying in the, on the floor, right? After a, a long night being like, oh, I had a struggle today, whatever it was. Um, and I think people appreciated that. And so that's where stories started to take off and Instagram copied it. And now it carries over to Facebook too. So you can cross post there. Um, brands can post the same thing in the same spaces. Um, 
but but that's really starting to convert the nature of some of these uh, of these two platforms especially and follow where Snapchat's been in terms of being a much more casual but much more authentic type of environment around content. Yeah. Yeah. And I think lending itself very much to that higher engagement rate that we talked about earlier. Yeah, that's a good point. I also think the the, the piece that uh, I'm curious to see if it will last is when you go into Instagram, there's the feed, which has always been there, but now across the top is where all of those stories are positioned for people that you're following. And uh, so it's front and center. So there's no sort of getting buried in the feed. If something is posted five hours ago, you know, depending on how many people you follow, it can be very hard to find that post from five hours ago versus if you're someone I follow and you've done a story in the last 24 hours, you're going to show up right at the top in that horizontal rail. So the prominence of stories is to me very strategic. Instagram is clearly trying to nudge us to build stories and um, that increases engagement and also, again, lends itself to this sense of um, uh, um, you know, a short period of time. Uh, so I, I have a, um, I have a drive to look at it right away because I know it's going to disappear in 24 hours. Sure. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah, no, it's super smart. But one thing I think about, and I'm curious on your thoughts on this is, is what happens when brands get engaged? Because I think about, a, you know, an individual can post 15 times a day, 10 second little videos, right. And it's pretty easy for people to, to kind of raffle that off. Um, but a brand, right? What do you think? Uh, I mean, how do you think about content development in that kind of structure? Um, just, just quick thoughts on what does that mean in terms of our content plans now that we have to think about posting much smaller, maybe less authentic snippets that traditionally brands wouldn't maybe expose and or have the volume to be able to, to handle. So one of the ways that we've uh, we've touched on stories, Instagram stories, um, and the companies that I've worked for is around events. Events mm. to me feel yeah. very natural um, because inherently a story, again, is 24 hours from the time each image is, or video is posted. So it, it and, I mean, it literally is a story. So to me, it, it's always felt very natural to show kind of a before, during, and after scenario and an event just lends itself to that easily. So we'll, we'll, um, we'll use, uh, whether it's trade shows or, um, you know, various speakerships, our executives will use events as a place to, uh, make stories. And again, I love it because it shows the humanity of a brand. It lets you show that raw, more natural, less perfect version of a company and the kind of the making of, I always talk about the term like behind the curtain, you know, show, show the making of, cause people like that behind the scenes stuff, especially from what otherwise is a very formal corporate entity. Yeah. What do you think? No, I, I, I agree. And I think it goes, you know, to the point that, um, you know, the consumer view is there and the, the platforms are being built around the consumer actions. And as we react as brands, it's thinking about how do we engage in similar ways? And I think your points are great because it's thinking about, you know, if you're going to engage in stories, which is a little more casual to the point we're saying it's a little more frequent, um, things like live events are a great point like that. Um, I think having influencers potentially take over your channels and help produce content for you, giving them the reins for a little bit, um, obviously is tricky and risky and there's pieces that go into that, but it also, you know, enables you to create content, um, uh, in a more regular fashion with that group, right? And employees could do that as well, right? And so I think getting creative and thinking about 
not so much of the formal brand to your point on stories, but maybe more of the casual brand. like what's behind the scenes? How is your corporate culture? What are the different types of elements that you engage on a day-to-day basis that you could display there to make the company more authentic? Mm-hmm. Yep. And and to your point on the influencer taking over the handle, we, we actually did that last year at one of our events and it worked out phenomenally. I mean, he promoted it from his Instagram handle to drive traffic. Then he took over our handle for the day um, and, you know, pre-promoted it and then um, posted really just a couple photos, not a ton. Um, but his following was so significant and he was driving attention Mm. to our handle from his. Um, And then of course, all of his other influencer friends uh, were being tagged and were commenting and all these things. And so we saw the performance of um, one of the images he shared that day uh, exceed anything else we'd done that fiscal year. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's really interesting. And, and especially since stories has taken off, um, you can see them, the platforms even react because now Instagram is allowing you to share posts into stories because people are in stories and now they actually are losing traction on the post feed side. So they're trying to get people back into posts by actually allowing post sharing into the feed. So it's super interesting. Um, you know, to see how these things develop and, you know, stories is really hot right now. It's absolutely true. Not as much as engagement on Facebook, but again, if you're a brand, you can produce content. It goes on both sides and you can actually pay promote those. You can get um, people into those in different ways. Um, in addition to what has been traditionally available as the feed content um, for either, for either of the platforms. Yep. And that's a good segue. I know we've talked a lot about Instagram and I do, I do want to um, transition and, and share with the audience a bit, a bit about Facebook. I think we all feel like we know we get it. We've, we're all on it. It's been around for quite a while, but um, uh, perhaps it's worth discussing again, from a brand perspective, um, what you can do with a Facebook page um, that perhaps you can't do on Instagram. Yeah, there's so much. Right. And I think um, I, in some of these cases, I I think that the Facebook page is still even more preeminent than a website. Um, and it's become so where, you know, it's this, uh, it's this, it's this outpost, uh, almost on your non-owned channels and yet so much more available than your website is in a lot of cases to be able to, um, engage a consumer, whether it's, it's RSVP for events or share media or content, or even house, um, a significant amount of produced video, whatever it is. Um, a lot more people are going to see it on Facebook than they would if they were on your website. So a lot of times I find myself viewing that as a substitute and or supplement to what you're hoping people to see on your own channels, whether it's your website or otherwise. Um, just because it's more accessible and you have the ability to promote it into, uh, into Facebook in those spaces as well. And because of the ad options available, there's so many other ways that it can go, whether it's the mobile side of things or the desktop side of things. Um, you know, because of the volume and size of Facebook, there's just so much more opportunity to expose it to new people in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, backing up a little bit on the demographic side, uh, yeah. you know, there's a great, great article from Sprout Social uh, from February of this year. So these numbers are a couple months old, but not too old. Again, we know Facebook's got over 2 billion with a B active users globally. Um, the demographic range is much broader than Instagram um, and, and even, even Twitter, um, where 62% of 65-year-olds and older are on there, which is unbelievable to me. Wow. Um, so 
62% of our grandparents are officially on Facebook. Um, and again, 85% of Facebook's uh, users are outside the U.S., so hugely international. Yeah, that's amazing still, right? And it, it goes back to, you know, no matter what happens, even with negative news out there, um, Facebook is going to be here for a long time. And um, whether you're looking at the ad targeting capabilities of Facebook, or you're looking at the content that could be on Facebook, or um, just the time and attention on Facebook, there there just seems to not be an end to the amount of possibility on what's available in social. Um you know, especially for a brand versus the other platforms Um, uh, and Facebook and Instagram leading the way. Uh, What do you think about this, this average user spending 35 minutes a day on Facebook itself and checking it about eight times a day? Yeah, I'm not surprised. Are you one? I mean, it's, are you one? Do you do? Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's part of the job. But I know I, I. I mean, again, whether you're on your phone, you're on your desktop, your tablet, whatever. Um, it, it's almost always just running in the background. You know, it's just it's one of the one of my my Chrome tabs, right? That's just always yeah, sure. open, just like the other social platforms. So, yeah, you're always checking it. And the other thing I've seen pick up on Facebook over the last I don't know year or two, and um, I've heard a number of other people talk about this is the use of Facebook groups, which I frankly didn't do a lot of in the beginning. I, I'm again, maybe I was perhaps more simplistic and this is who I am. And I kind of showed that to everybody who I was connected to and that was it. But I've um, just recently in the last year gotten involved in a few different either professional groups or, um, you know, parenting groups or hiking groups, just, you know, various affinities. There's a group for everything. And, um, I, I think that's actually become more interesting to me because it's, again, a smaller community. Now, you don't know everybody in the group, of course. They're not all your friends and family, but you know you all have this shared philosophy or perspective on that particular topic. So in some ways, it's it's kind of easier to manage because it's not everything in your life. I don't know, do you use groups at all? Yeah, no, I'm not. I haven't gotten into groups, but, you know, again, it goes back to your point about the scale of Facebook. There's so many things to do there and people are finding new ways to connect. And I think, um, you know, I think about LinkedIn groups and and I do use some of those. And I think it's interesting to think about connecting with different people around different affinities or topics that help that. Um, Kind of all on a parallel point, Facebook chat, right? Messenger um, was its own like little thing and then it broke off and now it's separate and mostly mobile. But that's one thing I do visit Facebook for on a regular basis is actually the chat function. I don't do a whole lot of posting or sharing or groups, um, but I do spend a lot of time connecting with friends almost in replacement of email or, you know, back in the day. AOL instant messenger, right? Remember that, but, um, but it's kind of the new version of that, especially with the bot functionality and the fact that you can run your own ads in there, I think is really cool too, because it actually reaches a little bit different audience in a little bit different way, um, in the moment. Mm-hmm. T- talk about the bot functionality. What do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's a slightly complex topic if you haven't heard of it before, but essentially, um, you know, it gives, some brands, the ability to go in there and uh, program either a tool that, you know, uh, pops up when you visit your page um, to welcome a, a user there. And, and you can build it out to have customer service functions or uh, sales functions or other things along the lines of um, a little more programmatic response. If you think about having uh, machine rules or an AI type of 
functionality that you hear about. Um, that's what that capability is there for. And so Facebook actually has enabled that um, across the board. And I, I read there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of bots now um, that are available because brands have gotten in the business of having do that. Um, but even if you have a Facebook page, you can enable a very simple chat bot on your page that just pops up and welcomes users even if you're not there, which is a very cool functionality too. So it's pretty accessible to anyone. Um, but again, going back to chat, whether it's Facebook Messenger or groups or the page itself, or you're just a consumer posting, um, as a brand, I think the biggest thing for us is the attention, right? We have the attention of people because they are there 35 minutes a day, checking eight times per day. I think that's what's so interesting is that there's no other platform that's receiving singular frequency of visit that Facebook and or Instagram are getting. Yep, that's right. And so I think the combination of all the functionality, whether it's the different actions or engagements you can take, being able to link out to an external website, um, uh, that you know the um, chatbot, so that you can you know run some some basic customer service um, functionality. Uh, in many ways, a Facebook page for a business is it's it's like a it's like a mini website, and it's so easy and templated that. Um, whether you're a startup or a small business, you know, solopreneur, I think it's a natural place to, to kick off a community. And, um, and again, like you said, to promote said business to your friends and family and your broader network, because they're all there anyway. Yes. Right. And I'm, I'm laughing at, at one of these things that we're, we were reading here about um, the degrees of separation. And I think of all these, that game of uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? Like Facebook's only 3.5. So they, they have them beat, unfortunately. Sorry, Kevin, but, <laughs> but you know, it's stick with footless. Stick with footless. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it just goes to show how connected we all are now because of Facebook and there are so many people there. So, um, so we're getting, we're getting closer to the end of this. Why do you think brands should be on Facebook? Yeah. So again, a, you've got so many different things, so many different things that you can do from Facebook. Um, we've talked about those, uh, the functionality is just more robust on Facebook than any of the social platforms. So virtually any action you want a customer, a consumer, you know, an influencer, um, an advocate, anyone you care about, uh, to take, they can take on Facebook and, continue to connect with your brand. So number one, I would say robust functionality in terms of engagement. And then number two, the paid media targeting is phenomenal. There's almost nothing more precise than the, the level of granularity you can get to on Facebook, whether it's your, of course, your basic demographic and psychographics, but so many levels of interests and actions you've taken and things you've clicked on. Um, all of your behavior, uh, for better or for worse, is being <laughs> tracked at an aggregate level, of course. Um, and and uh, and you're and then as an advertiser, you're able to market back to folks that you know um, are pretty sure have an interest in what you're talking about. So it's just a really efficient way to spend money. Yeah, I love that, and I think um, I think about it the same way. And whether it's Facebook or Instagram. Um, the utility of Facebook itself makes it so interesting because there's so many things to do there, whether it's groups or messenger or uh, whatever. Um, and then Instagram, because of its singular focus and being mobile first, seeing so much more engagement in that way, especially with a younger audience, that's the reason to be there. Right. And they're both tied together at the bottom with this phenomenal ad platform that is, is, you know, working like so many ad agencies and so many trade desks and all these other things put together into one spot. You can get it with just Facebook and Instagram 
and the ability of what those platforms can deliver. So it's exciting, right? And it's exciting that it, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, you know, and the different goals, whatever your, whatever your KPIs are, each one you use is going to have so much more power um, than either separately and or versus other places that you could go with your money. Yeah. And so that, that's, that's a good segue into platform strategy as I, I usually call it, but you know, in human language, sort of what are you going to do on one platform versus another? Is it, is it the same thing across all of them? Probably not. So in your experience, what, what have you done on Instagram that you wouldn't do on Facebook or vice versa? Any, any closing thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, I think, um, I think, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times w- when you're thinking about awareness and trying to get something out there, um, in a big way, I go to Instagram first. And I think it's because Instagram does have, um, a little bit of that more efficient spend because of the organic reach and they have a little bit better platform for individuals that are, uh, looking for visual based media, right? So you got a younger audience, you got somebody that's more into seeing something, especially around a product or, um, or something that's demonstrable with the visual. That is something that Instagram's really good at. If you're looking at doing things like building a retargeting audience quickly or, you know, leveraging the power of scale. That's what Facebook's really good at. And so, um, I've seen success on both sides. It's just a matter of a little bit what your goals are and where do you want to be efficient? And, um, and if you're trying to drive sales, it's a little bit easier to do on Facebook because you have the links built in. Right. Um, and yet Instagram's starting to pick up on that space. And now you can put your card in Instagram and, and do transactions on the platform because they're realizing that people are buying off of there as well. So there's a lot of opportunity on both. And I think it's between either experimentation or the formal tools that you're going to see success. Yep. Yeah. And so I think all in all, the, the, the lesson that I've learned over the last few years is that there's not social media. There are uh, individual characters within social media and they're each a little bit different. They all have unique pros and cons and capabilities. So the notion of a social media strategy, just like a digital strategy is actually far too generic and broad. You need to think about each platform as an individual um, with unique capabilities and develop a strategy uh, appropriate for what those platforms are each good at. That's right. Fully agree with you. Good call. Well, good chatting with you. Yeah. Good chatting with you. I hope you have a good week. Yeah. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> All right. See you, Jess. Bye. Bye. You just listen to Social Currency, a podcast with Tuck Ross and Jess Jensen. Like what you hear? Subscribe to Social Currency in your favorite podcast app and please leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. Have a question for the show? Want to ask about a specific topic? Email us at info at socialcurrencyshow.com. If we include it in an upcoming episode, we will send you something awesome. Thanks for tuning in. And remember to check out the full show notes with all the links that we referenced at socialcurrencyshow.com.